Marines. <laughs> All right. So uh, tonight, um, so I was looking for something a little uh, out of the ordinary, uh, something that uh, I hope you haven't heard a shir on as of yet. And uh, Baruch Hashem, I think uh, I found uh, such a thing. I was actually surprised, but it's a uh, but it's it's a good child in it, uh, nonetheless. And we will jump right in as soon as I could go ahead and find where it is. Okay, so you'll see right off the bat from the title it appears there on your screen. Huh. Oh. oh. Okay. Would Would I be safe to say you haven't had uh, a share on this yet? You'd be safe. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I missed really? it. Respect for everything. Okay, good. All right, so let's see. Uh, the So it's writing a transgender father's name in Iksuva. So as you're going to see, so uh, Rav Asher Weiss, this is from his uh, set of tshuvas, the Minchas Asher, so he addresses this issue. Uh, we'll see uh, not only some halachic stuff, but he's also going to make some, I guess, medical uh, assertions. Um you know, he doesn't say where he knows this from, but I think he is like the Rav of Shari Tzedek Hospital or something. I think he he has close ties with with hospitals in Eretz Yisrael, so he would actually have. So he does good uh, he does good research in general, but I think for medical things, he has particularly good access to uh, to doctors and whatnot. Uh, Rabbi Shaffel, could yes. you just uh, define what transgender father means? So yeah, look, look at the first two lines in Hebrew. I, so I, I actually struggled. I, I didn't know gr- uh, grammatically how to go ahead and put that together. So I was expecting somebody was going to call me out on my illiteracy. Well, well, no, to- it's not illiteracy. It's just that it. I, I'm reading what artists suggested now. So yeah, it, it's, so it's very I'll, clear I'll, I'll from the first two lines. When we when we read it inside now, so you'll see what exactly the uh, the case is. And in the event that we need to uh, to change my uh, my grammar later on afterwards, so please uh, let me know so I get it accurate. It's okay. not a grammar problem. We understand father and we understand kasuba. But personally, I'm not sure I understand transgender. Oh, so it, it, we, it's, read the first two lines in Hebrew. We, it'll we, be we, very we, clear. We, we, so. may, we may come to a new understanding of this uh, as a result of uh, the way uh, Vasher Weiss goes out and presents it. Right. Okay, so let's see. So he says as follows. He says, uh, So you have a young man. Why well, he has to be about Shuvah, I don't know. He's about to get married. In the Shaila is, how should he reference his father's name in the Ksuva? Now that would seem to be a relatively silly question because however his father is called up for an Aliyah or something, however his father is known by his Jewish name, that's the name that you would use. This challenge is, Avi HaChasan Avar Tipul V'nitoach L'Shinuimim because the Chassan's father went through treatment and had transgender surgery to change his gender. So the, the, the Chassan's father now holds himself to be female. In Bavur, Bavar, Hayashmo Daniel, so the father's name was Daniel. And after the father went ahead and went through the treatment and the surgery and is now presenting as female, Kara Shemot Ronit. He now goes by the name Ronit. 
who he refers to him as him, Hahu Yadua ben Makirov. And anybody who knows the Hassan's biological father today, everybody refers to him as Ronit. So the Hassan is now wondering, or the Masada Kedushan is now wondering, how exactly are we going to reference this in the Ksuva? Is it one second? Let me finish. Are we going to say Ruvain ben Daniel, or are we going to say Ruvain ben Ronit? That's the question which is now being posed. What exactly is going to be the correct uh, uh, form of reference? Yeah, yeah. Uh, my, my understanding is that if there's a wrong reference in the ketubah, the consequences are not very serious anyway. You'd have much a much bigger problem if you want to do a, put a name in a get, where yeah. um, things can really get fouled up. Uh, yeah, so it, uh, an invalid ksuva would mean that they're not allowed to be together until they correct the ksuva, so that's number one. So you don't want to mess with uh, with that. And we could just as easily put the, the shaila in the in the context of a get, in the event that this person gets divorced, but Baruch Hashem, we're at the point where they're only getting married, so they can't get divorced till they're married. So we're, we're dealing with the shaila as was presented to him, and we can't change the circumstances of what the shaila was presented to him. So he says, so Vasher Weiss says as follows. He says, So he says, before I go ahead and address the actual shaila about how to go ahead and reference the biological father in the Ksuva. So he says, I, I say, The first thing that the Masada Kedushin should try and figure out is whether or not this child was actually adopted. Because that'll make a difference. Now, why is he suspicious that the child was adopted? Because he says, I'm not sure what that means. But he says, because the father who went ahead and uh, went through treatment and did surgery, it may very well be that he's actually not his biological father, which would dramatically change the nature of the Shaila. In the Kazen, it's a Shaila of how do we reference a stepfather or an adopted father rather than a biological father who has become female. Now he says the reason why he's suspicious of this is because Ruba de Ruba Sha'ela, Sha'ela Shemeshanimis Mina Mizachalinikeva, he says, again, it'd be interesting to, to, to find this out uh, medically, the like statistics, but he says the overwhelming majority of those transgender male to female, Yeshem Simani Androgynous Mileda. So they were actually androgynouses at the time of birth. Remember, the time of Chazal, they didn't really do much surgery immediately after a baby was born to assign whether the, uh, the androgynous. The, uh, the child that presents both male and female characteristics. So they didn't do much, they, they couldn't do much surgery afterwards to assign one gender or the other. And the androgynous may spend their lives as an androgynous, knowing that they have both parts. Nowadays, I think it's pretty common when that happens that the doctor in consultation with the family decides which way they're going to assign gender to this child, and they just go ahead and do so. So he says, Rasha Weiss says that most cases, male to female, Transgender, they actually are androgynouses. The hamatzav hakromosomes chromo, shalhem kinekeva, and they actually have female chromosomes like a female, and that may be what's driving the uh, the urge that they have to go ahead and transgender. But he says what's significant about that is al simanim mishneim shel but they have other parts, or uh, this may be Secondary. other chromosomes. What? 
secondary. Secondary uh, male uh, chromosomes. But he says, But the thing is, is that most of them can't give birth. As an androgynous, they're not going to be able to father a child. So he says, being that we have somebody who actually went male to female, so really the first thing you want to make sure is uh, find out whether or not it is a, uh, this person is actually the biological father, father or not. Because in the event that it's only an adopted father, uh, that it's not a biological father. So then we have, then Rav Asherai says, it's a totally different Shiloh. What's that totally different Shiloh in the event that it turns out that the the person he, that the Chassan knows to be his father is not, uh, um, is not biologically his father, is an adopted father. So here we have a fascinating uh, 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 debate amongst Poskim, how one would go ahead and reference such a father, an adopted father in a ksuva. So I'll spend a little time on that, just because it's also, it's an interesting uh, thing. So the first thing Shulchan Aruch says when he addresses this is, and now this is, Art, to your point earlier, these sources do come from Hilchos Gitten, because that's one of the places where uh, we bring up the topic of names. So he says, Ger Oshtuki Osufi. So if you remember from the Mishnayis in the uh, the fourth parak, I think it is, of Kedushin, so a ger we know is a convert. So a ger, once he converts, so he doesn't have halachic parents. It's as if he was just born and doesn't have halachic parents. So how do you reference his father's name? Shtuki is where we know who the mother is, but we have no idea who the father is. So that Chazal say the term shtuki is when the child asks his mother, who's my daddy? She says, shtok beneath shtok. She says, quiet, don't ask such questions. So that's shtuki. And asufi is an abandoned child. We don't know mother, we don't know father, we don't know anything about uh, the, uh, the parents. So in, all th- in any one of these three cases, somebody who either we don't know who the father is, or um, the... Uh, um, or we only know a biological father, but not a halachic father. So ain't kosvin elish moseyam bilvad. So Shulchan Aruch in this sif, in, Kuf, in Eben Ezra, Kuf Chav Tes, Sif Tes, says what we do is we refer to the person just by their name. So rather than saying Ruvain ben Ploni or Ruvain ben Daniel, so such a person, a Ger, Shtuki, or Asufi, so in a Get you would refer to simply as Ruvain. That's it. No, uh, no Ben anything uh, of, of that sort. Now, if we just had that sif, so then we'd say, okay, so straightforward Shulchan Aruch, it's a cut and dry, a halacha lamaisa, that's the way we should go. But then you look, a mere 11 sifim later, the very same simon, but 11 sifim later, Shulchan Aruch says, beget ger kosev ploni ben Avram Avinu. Then we say, they are somebody who's a ger, so everybody is considered to be a descendant of Avram Avinu. So in such a get, we would go ahead and we, we would write Ruvain ben Avram Avinu. In a similar thing in, in Aksuva, somebody who's a ger, so you may hear that they also read Ruvain ben Avram Avinu. You may hear that being used as the, as the name. Yeah, so that's, that's, what another... they did. that's what they did for my wife when I married her. Right? Yeah. yeah so. So, that's, so that is another option. And then the Pischei Tshuva, source number four over here, this is in Kuf Chav Tes, Sif Chav Gimel. So he brings down, he says, despite the fact that we have these two different opinions, which Shulchan Aruch himself goes ahead and records, as far as how to make reference, just the name of the person himself, or the name Ben Avram Avinu. So the Pischei Tshuva quotes, 
Kasa Besefer Dagom Ravava. The Dagom Ravava is the note of Yehuda of Yechezkel Landau. So he writes, Vizel Shono. He says, Lefiani is daiti. He says, when it comes to writing down the name, so he says, Hayanira, it would seem, this is, let's say, by where we know who the mother is and not the father. Hayanira lichtov shem imo. What we should do is, we'll use the mother's name. Although normally he would be called Ruven ben Daniel, over here we're going to call him Ruven ben um, Shira. Why? Because we actually have precedent for such a thing. What's the precedent? One example is Rev Mary Barachel. So there's somebody quoted in Shas, Rev Mary. So Mary, even though in English it's a woman's name, but in, in Shas that was a man's name, the son of Rachel. So why was he called the son of Rachel? Because his father, uh, his biological father was not Jewish. So therefore, rather than referencing him by his non-Jewish father, they referred to him by his Jewish mother. The Afshar, and therefore maybe we should do the same. But then the Dagom Ravava says, the Afshar may be the shiny Hasam. Maybe it's different over there that we go out of our way not to reference an adopted father. Because, Because at the time that the mother became pregnant, so Iser, again, that's not referring to a prohibition, but that was actually the, per- the father's name, the biological father's name. So at that time, he was not Jewish. And therefore, he wasn't his father altogether. And halachically, Rav Mary did not have a halachic father. But when we have a shtuki, so remember I told you that's where we know who the biological mother, we know the mother is. We don't know who the father is. So there is a father which exists somewhere. We just don't know what his name is. So maybe in a case where we know that there is a father, maybe there's a difference between a case where we don't know who the father is altogether, and we would go ahead and we'd refer to him by the uh, the mother's name, or where we do know who the father is, and uh, but uh, but we don't want to make reference to him because um, because he was not Jewish. And therefore, it may very well be that we would not refer to a regular Duki by the mother's name. Maybe we should be referring to him by the father's name, and we just don't know who it is, so we may refer to him by his name by itself. Okay. But then he says, uh, He says, it makes reference to another Sefer. And then the uh, the Pischei uh, Tshuva says, then he says, check out what I wrote later on in another piece. Okay. Piece Chechuf was uh, a big Tamar Chacham and, uh, and a big Tzadik. So if he tells us to look at Sifkat and Chavav, we're going to follow through. Gosh darn it, we're going to do it. So what does it say over there in Sifkat and Chavav? So here he says, B'sefer get Kasa B'sefer get Pasha, Sifkat Nunav. Ima Megarish lo Kasev Shem Aviv. Let's say Ruvain, getting divorced, did not write his father's name. Didn't include that at all. Rak Shem Imo. They used his mother's name. And rather than writing, for example, Yitzchak, the son of Avram, Kasav Yitzchak ben Sarah, they wrote instead Yitzchak, the son of Sarah. So what do we do in such a case? Is it going to be valid if they use the mother's name as, uh, as part of the, uh, the person's name or not? Yirali the Tzadik Daget Kasher. So the uh, Sefer called Get Pashat. So he says, I hold that the Get is going to be Kasher. 
Kevin Diadua Shem Sara, who Meshemos Hanashim, because we know that that is a reference point that by which we would identify the mother. Remember that what, what we're trying to do when we have the name over here, when we say Yitzchak ben Avram, or for that matter, Yitzchak ben Sarah, is we just want to make sure we know who the person getting divorced is. So usually people are known by their name, the son of the father's name. You're in shul, you hear a person being called up for an aliyah. So you, uh, you, if, if you uh, speak to a good gabai, so he knows everybody's name in shul, their name and their father's name. So that's how a person is known. But in the event that a person is known by his mother's name, so that's how we know who that person is, because that's how everybody knows him. People would know that he is the son of Sarah. But now here's an interesting thing. So he says, in the event that Yitzhak ben Avram uh, is, is, uh, is, is referred to as Yitzhak ben Sarah, that may very well be acceptable. Amnam, im shem imo simcha. Let's say the mother's name is Simcha. Simcha is one of those few names which sometimes it, it can be used as a man's name. It can also be used as a woman's name. Miguel Pasha wasn't even talking about transgender over here. He just um, said, in the, in the event that we're talking about the name Simcha, or anything else where sometimes it could be used as a man, sometimes as a woman. Simi, it's, it's a nickname, but the name Simi, sometimes you could have a man who's referred to as Simi, and sometimes you could have a woman who's referred to as Simi. Where men also have that same name. So maybe that that's going to create confusion. And to use the mother's name, which sounds like a father's name, to say Yitzhak ben Simcha, when Simcha is the mother's name rather than uh, uh, the, uh, the father's name, which would be Yitzhak ben Avram. So then that could actually be misleading. We may think that we're talking about a different man, because Simcha is a man's name. So therefore, being that the, the frame of reference is not definitive enough who we are referring to, that could invalidate. Uh, Va'od, um, he says, um, okay, you know, we'll, we'll leave the rest of that in the event that somebody has such a thing. So we'll go ahead and we will, uh, we will address that. So now... Uh, but now, he, then he says, so Vasher Weiss goes on to say, so let's uh, let's assume, just for the sake of the tshuva, that we did the research, and we determined, in fact, that this is one of those exceptional cases where the transgender father, the father who transgender, who's now a transgender woman, went ahead and is the biological father of this person. So now we have a shaila, which is called nishtaka shemo. Nishtaka Shemo is the halacha related to what happens when a person had a name and that name is forgotten. So a person was given a name, let's say, at their bris, but nobody knows that person by that name anymore. And it's been 10, 20, 30, 40 years. Nobody knows the person by that name. So when writing halachic documents like Aksuva or Eget, do we continue to use that forgotten name or do we not use that forgotten name? So here, the, the Beis Yosef actually addresses this prop, this, uh, this issue, and he writes as follows. He, he writes as follows. He says, Vida, you should know. When a person has two names, let's say Yitzchak Isaac, or something like that. And, so even though whenever people are talking to him, they call him Yitzchak. They don't call him Yitzchak Isaac. They don't use both names. They use just one name. And we would use that in the get. 
So when are we going to go ahead and include both names, Yitzchak, Isaac? Only when there are times when the person is referred to by that second name as well. So like we said, if a person is being called up uh, for an aliyah in Shul, that person would undoubtedly be called up as Yitzchak, Isaac. That's for sure. No doubt about that. In regular conversation, he's referred to just as Yitzchak. But when he gets an aliyah, everybody knows he's Yitzchak Isaac. It's, an, it's, a, it's a well-known name. But let's say, not only do people refer to him as Yitzchak, but even when he's called up for an aliyah, they only call him up as Yitzchak. They never call him up anymore as Yitzchak Isaac ben Avram. They just call him up as Yitzchak ben Avram. So in such a case where even though that was the name given to him, he was given both names at his bris, Yitzchak Isaac, but if at this point he's only referred to as Yitzchak, and that's even the way he's called up for an aliyah, we don't write that second name on the get or in the ksuva. So the fact that the parents gave him that name doesn't mean that it sticks with him forever. In the event that he's never known, but he's no longer known by that name at all, nobody knows that name anymore, so then it's just a forgotten name, and it's no longer part of who he is. And you don't have to write it in a get or a ksuva. Vafilu letafel, even as a secondary name, which in a get we include all sorts of nicknames that a person may have, we don't include any of those things. Dechichtov demiskiri, because when we refer to secondary names in nicknames in a get, for example, we say Yitzchak demiskiri Yitzi, let's say as, as an example. So you say his name is Yitzchak, but he's called Yitzi. That only makes sense in the event that people call him by that name. But but in the event that you have a Yitzchak Isaac and nobody uses the name Isaac at all, you can't say he's called Isaac because nobody calls him Isaac. Nobody, nobody at all. And then he says, I don't know exactly what that is. I didn't look it up. But he says, So here he gives another interesting case. You have a woman whose name is Rivka. And at some point during her uh, earlier in life, so she became ill. She got sick. And while she was sick, they gave her a name. They gave her a new name, which is Chana, or they added a name, which is Chana. And although when she was a child, she was given the name Chana uh, for her illness, for Rufua Shlema for illness, to this day, everybody just knows her as Rivka. That's how she's known. Anybody who knows her, knows her as Rivka. You ask her high school friends, her seminary friends, her married friends. Everybody just calls her Rivka. Nobody knows anything about Chana. Shehu Shema Harishon. That's her primary name. She'en lichtov shem Chana beget klau. So he writes also that if nobody knows her by that second name, even though it clearly was a name which she was assigned for a very significant reason at some point in her life, but if at this point nobody knows who she is by that name, so what are you going to do? You don't include it. And even if her name was formally changed from Rivka to Chana while she was ill, if at this point everybody knows her just as Rivka, so it's no different than a nickname, which is well known to everybody, where you could use just that nickname, which is the name that everybody knows her, that everybody knows that person by. He says, even the Khatrila, you'd be able to go ahead and use such a such a name.
So therefore, he says that that certainly is going to be uh, is going to be acceptable, reinforcing this idea of a shame shenishtaka, a name which was forgotten. And once a name is forgotten, so we no longer have to use it as part of their formal name, neither on a suva nor on a get. Um, okay, and he says, the Beis Yosef says, after quoting that, he says, And this now establishes precedent for a case where a person no longer uses a particular name. If they no longer use that name, it's considered to be a forgotten name, and it's not included neither in a get nor in a ksuva. Okay, so now what's the significance of that? So here, in source 7 over here, Vashar Weiss says, again, you, you, you get to see uh, s- some uh, writers write in a manner where you get to see how they think. You get to see their perspective on things. Sometimes it's a little more dry and it's a little more academic. It's harder to uh, to discern. Rav Asher Weiss is a writer where you get to see, he he, he brings you into his thinking process and how uh, what his attitude and perspective on different things happens to be. So here he writes as follows. He says, So as he said, let's assume in our case over here, this chasen, Ruvain ben Daniel, whose father, Daniel, transgendered into a woman and is now known as Ronit. So in the event that we are able to determine that this father, Daniel, now Ronit, now known as Ronit, is in fact his biological father, so near a Pashat Shein Lichto ben Daniel. So he says, clearly in this Ksuva, you cannot write Reuven ben Daniel. Why can't you write Reuven ben Daniel? Because the name Daniel has been forgotten altogether. All of this person's, all of the father's present acquaintances all know him by the name Ronit, and nobody knows him at this point by the name Daniel. They see, uh, since he presents as a woman, so presenting as a woman, everybody thinks that this is a regular Ronit, and nobody knows that it was somebody who earlier in life was known as Daniel. V'shem shenishtaka in the Kosovo. And Rav Asher Weiss says, Pashat. It's obvious that a forgotten name obviously is not going to be included because he's not that person is not known by that name anymore. And therefore, it wouldn't make any sense to go ahead and make that, uh, that reference because that's not who it is. And here he says, what we would have thought is this enormous Chiddush, but he says, really what this person, the way this person's name should be written in the Ksuva is, Ruvain ben Ronit, by the biological father's current name, which is Ronit, clearly a female name. Because the bottom line is, Ronit is, from a halachic perspective, Ronit is his father. That's, that, uh, you know, you, you can't, what, whatever, Daniel, how, whatever Daniel did to his body to make himself present as female at this point, but you cannot change the biological history of the fact that this person is the biological father of Ruvain. So we have to be able to, we don't have to, but if we want to go ahead and make reference to the father, so we still have a biological father of record. We know who he is. And this is the name which he's now adopted for himself. This Daniel has decided, I want to be known by the name Ronit. Okay. 
You could be known as flower, you could be known as, uh, you know, penguin, and you could be known by the name, uh, you know, uh, Ronit. You could call yourself whatever you want. And the fact that it's now a female name, who cares? What, what does that have to do with Allah, the fact that it's unusual and it's a female name? Let's say the father had always, from birth, let's say the parents thought it was fun, that the father's parents thought it would be funny if they go ahead and give their son a female name. So throughout school, this kid has been, uh, you know, tortured and bullied because his name uh, has always been Rivka. I don't know. <laughs> so what, what his parents were thinking, don't know, but they named it Rivka. So if that's how he's always been known as Rivka, so that, that's his name. What are, you, what are you supposed to do? Just because it's an unusual name and it's a name that we normally associate with females, that's a reason not to include the name in the Ksuva. That's the father's name. If that's the father's name, that's the father's name. And he says, And Rav Asher Wai says the same thing is going to be true in this case. Although he had been known as Daniel, that was his name for 25, 30 years, let's say. But at some point he changed how he was going to present himself. He is, the name Daniel has been forgotten from his existence altogether. And now everybody who knows him and everybody who interacts with him calls him Ronit. So as far as the son is concerned, his name now is, if you want to be able to know which Ruvain this is, you would say Ruvain ben Roni, because that is how you're going to reference him vis-a-vis his, uh, his father. Okay, he doesn't address over here at all, which would be an interesting Shiloh also, uh, how we're going to call up this person for an aliyah. Now, obviously, that's a little bit more cal, it's a little bit more, more lenient, um, because, you know, it's not as, uh, we don't have to be as precise when calling somebody up for an aliyah, but it'd be interesting to see if he were to take into account the potential humiliation that this person would go through every time he's called up for an aliyah as Ruven ben Ronit. People might find that uh, might find that strange, but okay. But he says, as far as Uksubis goes, and if you want to be accurate, so that's what you would go ahead. Seemingly, that's what you would go ahead and you would do. You would refer to him by his, uh, by the way his father presently references himself. Which is, is, is he talking Ronit. about, is he talking about a ketubah or a get here? The Shailah that Minchas Asher is talking about is the Ksuva. The precedent which we're using, some of the sources which we're using, appear in okay. the context of Hilchos Gitten. Most of the halachas related to names appears in, uh, would appear in one of two places in Shulchan Aruch, either in Hilchos Gitten or a little bit when we talk about calling somebody up for an aliyah. So, I, I mean, I, I was under the impression that... Um, that for a ketubah, you know, obviously, if it's a puzzle ketubah altogether, that they, they have problems living together. But uh, I was under the impression, at least with the evid, that as long as it's some plausible name associated with the person, that with the ketubah is going to be kosher anyway. Yeah, the the chassan wants to do things uh, as chachil as he can. Yeah. But I mean, with a get, that's not true, right? With a get, if there's any error at all, it makes the whole get possible. Um, we try and be much more careful on a get than we would on a ksuba because the stakes are higher in the event that it is, uh, it's done improperly. But at the end of the day, the rules are essentially the same. Okay. But we, 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 we do pay, we do try and be much more conscientious of a, of a get than by a ksuba. That is true. I, I was on the understanding that in a get, you have to list every name and nickname that the person is known by. Right. So, right. so even, 
even uh, his the father's original name you should listen well, so because the, he was known by that the the, the base Yosef is saying that if nobody knows him presently by that name right nobody calls him by that name nobody uh, nobody uh, refers to him by that name anymore that fits into this category of a shame shenishnaka a forgotten name that's we, we put in nicknames only those things which are are, are in active use not names which are former use, but no longer actively used. Okay, so now we have, now Usher Weiss raises another issue, another potential issue that uh, that uh, would uh, re- require a little bit of consideration over here. And that is another fascinating halacha. And that is, here we have in Sif, uh, in uh, source eight over here. So this is the same sim in Kuf test, but this now Sif Hay. Says Mumar. So let's say you have somebody who gave up Yiddishkeit, who, who not only gave up Yiddishkeit, gave up being from, but actually became Christian. Now, he was married, and now he's nice enough, although he gave up Yiddishkeit and he became Christian, he is willing to go ahead and give his wife a get, so that she should be able to move on and she should be able to, uh, to marry. So when we go ahead and you have this Mumer who's now divorcing, so says Shulchan Aruch, Ein lo so we sh- when we're referencing this fellow, this husband who's now divorcing, we do not use his new adopted Goyish name. We don't use the name Chris, or we don't use the name uh, Kyle that he has now adopted for himself. Ella B'Shem Yisrael. But rather, we're going to go ahead and use his Yiddish name. We're going to use his Jewish name, not his Goyish name. Now, the question is why? What exactly is the reason why we don't want to go ahead and use his Goyish name, and we're going to use his Jewish name. And this is something which the Meforshim on the page of Shulchan Aruch, so they're, uh, they're, they're busy I- explaining that. But there's a possibility that maybe we don't want to give any credibility, any acknowledgement to the fact that he's converted to Christianity. We see him as a Jew, and since we see him as a Jew, so therefore we would... Uh, uh, we're going to continue to reference him by his Jewish name, regardless of what how he would like to be referred to, which is by his Goyish name. And then by extension, of Usher Weiss is suggesting maybe the same thing is true with this transgender name. Although he wants to be known as Ronit, halachically he's still Daniel. And if uh, halachically he's still male, and, uh, the, and his male name was Daniel, maybe we should ignore the fact that he's now asking everybody or, requ- or demanding of everybody to go ahead and call him Ronit, Halakhically, that's not who he is. He's not a female. Halakhically, he remains male, and therefore, maybe we should not use the uh, the, the the female name. So, to, but here we have a commentary to Evanezer called Yeshua's Yaakov. So he writes as follows. And part of uh, what's interesting about this to me is the fact that it makes reference to something which we just had in Dafyomi last week. So, any Dafyomi references, we're excited to go ahead and have. It says Velinira. So he writes, after explaining what, how other people perceive this halacha, why for the mumer, we're not going to use his Christian name. He says, nearly, He says, it has nothing to do with the fact that just stam, it's a goyisha name. That, 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 that's not our issue. Because it's clear from the tosefta that I made reference in an early comment that he made on a different piece. That rov Yisrael shebuchutzars shmosem kemer shmos akum. So the Tosefta says, back in the time of Chazal, this is a time. Tosefta means it's a time of the Tanoim, that most Jews 
who lived in Chutzlaretz actually had Goyesha names. They did not have Jewish names, they had non-Jewish names. And the same thing is true in the Gemara in Git and Daftes. Now I wrote in parentheses over here because I looked it up because I didn't remember that Rabbi and Daftes. I see it written there on Daf Yud Aleph. But either way, the Gemara in Git makes that point, Mavur Kane makes that same point that most of the Jews in the time of Chazal who lived in Chuzarts use non-Jewish names rather than Jewish names. So it can't be that the, the uh, opposition to using this Mumar's Goyish name is simply because it's a Goyish name, because we're not so opposed to Goyish names. There were times in history when most of the people had, they, they used Goyish names. So that can't be the opposition which we have. El Hatam Mishum, rather the primary opposition that the Poskim have to the Mumer using his Goyish name, is Kevin Shakum Karoso Bishem Hazeb Daito, is because at the time that he got himself baptized, at whatever point he formally converted from Judaism to whatever religion he went ahead and adopted. So at that time, they gave him his Goyish name. You know, think of it in terms of those Indians that you're, you're, you'll now be known as, you know, Swift as the Wind or whatever name that they would go ahead and they would do. So they now went ahead and they referred to him now as, uh, as, uh, as Christopher. Shem Yisrael Shem Zeh. He says that they took away, they, they were making an attempt by giving him a Goyish name to replace his Jewish name. What they're trying to do is they're actively trying to uproot his Yiddishkeit. And he says, And to go ahead and use a name which was an active attempt, uh, active attempt to uproot his Yiddishkeit that we can't, that we can't uh, acknowledge. We can't accept that. We're not going to go ahead and acknowledge this name, which was given specifically to go ahead and uproot his, his Jewish name. So therefore, he says, if a person had, in the first place, a Goyish name, and now, um, he says, now he's talking about a case, where an interesting case, where he says, let's say this child was, uh, was born and his name was Kyle. Kyle is a pretty uh, Goyish name. That's the, the, the name that, the, that's how he was referred to when he was still a practicing Jew. And then he goes out and he gets baptized, Rahman al son, and he converts to Christianity, and they name him Abraham. Abraham is actually a Jewish name. So he says, even if right now his name is a Jewish name, it's a biblical name, it doesn't matter that he went from Kyle as a Jewish Kyle to a Goyish Abraham. We cannot use the name which they went ahead and assigned to him in their attempt to uproot his Yiddishkeit. Rabbi so that's, the Yeshua Yaakov says that's really going to be the opposition. That's the, the reason why by the Mumer, we're not going to use the Goyish name. It's not Goyish name per se. It's the name assigned to him when he became a Goy. That's really what we're opposed to. Rabbi Shaffel? Yes. Wouldn't the, that argument, though, be, if you apply it in the case that we use, we had earlier, be a reason to say that you shouldn't use Ronit? Because what, what Hashem gave this man, his, his sex, his gender, whatever it is, and, and he on his own is now deciding to change it. And it's sort of um, giving some sense of authority or legitimacy um, to that. 
And it's it, at least according to the, the argument that we, we just saw, it would seem to be the same thing that you shouldn't uh, glorify that. And so therefore you shouldn't use the female name that he now has. Exactly. Right. Perfect. So now I'm just going to read what, what you just said, Bob. I'm just going to read that in Hebrew now, because that's what Rav Asher Weiss goes on to say. So he says, So based on this explanation of the Yeshua's Yaakov of the Halacha regarding the Mumer's name, so one could question, Maybe the change of name from Daniel to Ronit, which this person adopted as a result of his tr- transgender attempts, Einlaz Kirbaget. As just as you said, Bob, maybe we shouldn't give any credibility to that whatsoever, and it should not be used in a get or a ksuva. But then he says, Rav Ashurwai says, I hear the argument. He actually formulated the argument, but he says the two cases actually are not similar. He's going to draw a distinction between a transgender and somebody who is uh, uh, um, uh, an apostate. The shiny Shemumar, because it's different, whatever name was given at his baptism, Shekol Ikaro Akirash Shem Yisrael, because the whole point of that name change when he was baptized is to uproot his Jewish connection, his Jewish name, the Hafnayas Oref Loke Yisrael and it's a turning of turning away or turning your back, I think is the way we would say it in English, it represents a turning of your back against the God of Israel and his Torah. So that's something we can't tolerate at all. We can't stand the fact that somebody's going to go ahead and do so, and we're not going to give any credibility. This fellow who went ahead and changed his gender, quote-unquote, changed his gender, didn't really change his gender, but this person who thinks that he went ahead and changed his gender wasn't necessarily doing that uh, uh, as as a means of turning his back against God, he was doing it because whatever, as he's going to say in the next paragraph, whatever that person is experiencing internally drove them to go ahead and become transgender from male to female. But it's not as severe as trying to uproot his Yiddishkeit and turning his back on God in the Torah. And therefore, and then he says, so that's number one. So the, the, he, he, he maintains that you would not draw precedent for our case of the transgender father, uh, trans the father who's transgender woman, we wouldn't go ahead and use the mumer as precedent for that. And now here is, this is the part which excited me the, uh, the most. And now he says, Vol kvar He says, on top of which I wrote at the beginning, hormonal. He says, most people who go ahead and uh, transgender by doing uh, uh, surgery as well as hormone treatments, so they're going full on as far as uh, transgender, so they actually are an androgynous. So they weren't really male to begin with. Most of them were actually androgynous. Again, that's the person who presents both male and female characteristics. And he says they they have terrible emotional struggles as a result of this. And when we look at them, you shouldn't see such a person and see them as a rasha, as somebody who's choosing to do something which is aser. But rather, you should perceive them, your, your attitude towards them should be, 
Bechemla, meaning you should have compassion towards them because they are ill, they're not well, both physically as well as emotionally. And therefore, being that this is something which is uh, happening, uh, which uh, they're suffering from, it's not something which is erisious, the decision to go ahead and have that, uh, you know, gender assignment surgery and go through all of those hormone treatments. Rav Asher Weiss, Weiss is saying that this is not an expression of rishus, it's not an expression of wickedness or rebellion of God. It's really a symptom of an illness which they're suffering from, whether physical, whether emotional, it doesn't matter. He says, and therefore, you shouldn't see them as somebody who is doing something consciously bad, like the, the, the apostate, like the person is giving up his Yiddishkeit. And therefore, in his final ruling, he says, Getting to your point, Steve, a little bit, that assuming that the name Daniel is entirely forgotten, nobody knows him anymore, and it's been a, number, it's been a certain period of time that nobody knows him by that name at all, it would seem to be that the correct thing to do is to write in the Ksuva Ruvain Ben Ronit and just leave it at, just leave it at that. Now, I, uh, uh, one more point, and then uh, we'll end because after well, some of us have to uh, to run to Marv. Now, you should know in a different Shuva where he talks about a, a, a similar type of thing, he makes the point that just because something is written in the Ksuva doesn't mean the person who's reading the Ksuva has to read that. Some people think that you have to read what's actually written in the Ksuva. I can tell you there have been numerous times that I've been called up to read a Ksuva, and I did not read what was, at, what was actually written there. I made up things, or I left out things, or I do all sorts of uh, um, uh, uh, audibles in the middle of it in order to uh, make it seem as if this is as normal a wedding as possible, so that nobody should be alerted to what's actually uh, written there. And there's nothing wrong with going ahead and saying Ruvain ben Daniel, Ruvain ben, you know, you could read whatever you want. It doesn't make a difference. You could just read Ruvain if you want, because the reading of the Ksuva, that actually adds nothing halachically to what's, uh, what's going on. The main thing is just writing it in a correct manner. And from Rav Asher Weiss's perspective, the correct way to go ahead and write the Ksuva would be based on the biological father's current name. Okay? Yvalik. So hopefully, uh, this is not a Shiloh, which will be a uh, Lemaisa for, uh, for any of us, uh, you know, to have to deal with. But as I said, it was a fascinating uh, Shiloh. I hope it was fascinating for you as well. And you get to see not only the halacha, but his general attitude towards uh, such things, which I think is also very, uh, very instructive. It engendered right. many questions. What? It engendered many questions. <laughs> Excellent. Very good. We can't end without one of those. Right, thank you very much. All right, everybody. Have a great Shabbos. Have a great Shabbos. Thank you. Be well. Thank you, Rabbi.